Out in the Bay is supported in part by Project Open Hand, providing 2,500 life-saving meals and 200 bags of groceries daily to sustain people experiencing illness, social isolation, or the health challenges of aging. Learn more at openhand.org. Project Open Hand. Meals with love. Welcome to Out in the Bay Queer Radio. I'm Christopher Beal. This week, we're tackling two oft misunderstood and completely unrelated subjects on Out in the Bay. Open relationships and professional wrestling. In about 20 minutes, you'll meet a trans woman climbing the ladder as an independent professional wrestler here in the San Francisco Bay Area. But first, how does someone end up in an open relationship? What does that even mean? Check this out. Growing up, and even into my teens and 20s, all of the relationships around me were monogamous, or at least outwardly monogamous. Open relationships weren't something I knew much about until later in life. Today, after a few years of self-exploration, I am in an open relationship. My partner and I met in 2018 and moved to San Francisco in 2020. A lot of the people I know here in San Francisco are in some sort of arrangement that allows for sexual freedom. That includes my friend Julian. Julian grew up in Connecticut. Uh, he now lives in San Francisco and works in tech. He's in a non-monogamous relationship where he and his boyfriend like don't even live together. They chose that and they're super happy with it. But getting to this place of comfort outside of heteronormative relationship roles was a long road. I realized I liked boys when I was in fourth grade when a classmate of mine wrestled me to the floor. This was during a time when professional wrestling was huge on TV, and it wasn't uncommon to see kids, almost always young boys, mimicking those occasionally homoerotic moves and mannerisms on each other. If you're not down with that, we got two words for you! The other guys were like wrestling each other on the couches and all that. And then all of a sudden, I don't know what prompted one of my classmates to do that to me. I was just standing in the corner. But when he tossed me to the couch, I realized how much I liked it. And I had all of a sudden like a huge crush on this kid. And I could not understand why. I remember thinking to myself, I've never felt this way about anyone before. And I like it. As for me, I came out when I was 15. I was caught red-handed with another guy and sort of didn't have a choice. A lot of LGBTQIA folks have similar stories of having to stand up and say, I am different in a world where that's really not encouraged. And so I was looking for ways to get out of it. I was home alone one day and I went through the, the yellow pages and I found a psychiatrist's office and I was like, I'm just going to call this person and ask them how I can change who I am or how I can get myself out of being gay. The receptionist picked up. I was like in tears. I explained to her that I just wanted to talk to the psychiatrist for a second on the phone to ask them a question about my sexual identity. She could tell that something was wrong with me. 
She kept pressing Julian for more information, his parents' names, his name, and it freaked him out. I hung up. You like women, you like breasts, you like all of that, you are not gay. You like women, you like breasts, you like all of that, you are not gay. I used to think of like stupid things like, what if I played a recording while I slept that just said over and over the sentence, you are not gay. You like women, you like breasts, you like all of that. And maybe over time it'll internalize and change who I am. You like women, you like breasts, you like all of that, you are not gay. Like these are the lengths I went to to explore how I can get out of being gay because I just didn't want that life for myself back then. I should mention Julian lives in my building in San Francisco, and we recorded this one night over a cocktail. <laughs> I literally just poured this over. They smell fantastic. It's just a whiskey sour. But okay. And we ended up having this long conversation, not only about our coming out, but all of the things that led us from the closet to being in happy, functional, non-monogamous relationships. Julian's acceptance of his sexuality started kind of around his junior year in high school when he decided to shift his focus away from sports. I did sports most of my life and I hated it. So Julian decided to switch to theater, fully aware that it might come with some suspicion about his sexuality, but maybe that's part of why he did it. So Julian joins theater, gets established, and makes a couple of good friends along the way. We were like a trio, the three of us. Julian and these two guys hung out all the time. One night in my friend's basement. The guys were just hanging out. There might have been some underage drinking happening. We were drinking in high school. One of the friends passed out asleep on the floor, and Julian was left alone with the other guy. The cute one. And we were just having like the pettiest argument in a playful way. And we were just staring at each other while we argued. And slowly, our faces came closer and closer when we were going back and forth on our argument. And then it got to a point where both our lips were touching. And then we just let it happen. We just hardcore made out. And then by the end of it, We cuddled and then I went to sleep and I said to myself, I think I like this boy and I think I'm feeling a level of happiness I've never felt before. And as soon as I realized what everyone else was feeling, all the straight people around me who had boyfriends and girlfriends who were like in love, I realized I am deserving of this. And I felt so lucky that in my closeted identity, I was able to find someone secretly who I can do this with because he wasn't openly gay. So we just found each other and then we ended up having a six month secret relationship in plain sight of our group of friends. My parents had no idea that when I had sleepovers at his place that I was actually spending most of that time naked in his basement because we were just, you know, catching up on all the sexual activities that we didn't have because we were closeted. People thought we were just like best buds. 
it was that person who introduced me to a level of joy that I never experienced. And that's what started my journey towards acceptance of being like, okay, what do I have to do now to get to a place where I can have this all the time? All right, let's jump ahead a little bit. So Julian enrolled at Syracuse University, far away from home, so he could kind of start figuring things out without the watchful eye of his family. At college, he made friends, and one in particular became his best friend. Oh, and he was straight. But very accepting. His parents were very like pro-LGBT, so I felt super safe with him. And so he was the first person there I came out to, and he welcomed me with open arms and hugged me and said, you know, I'm not shocked and I'm not like surprised. I don't think differently of you. And that was what set me off to continue coming out to people to the point where by the end of that year, everyone knew I was gay. And I even had like a few little gay adventures and gay hookups here and there. So Julian transferred from Syracuse to NYU to further his education. There's a lot more gay people there. Also that. In New York, he had his first relationship with a guy and then another and another. And they all kind of took the same course. You start off with the honeymoon phase, deeply in love or saying I love you like week two of like knowing each other type of thing. For the first part of our relationship, we were enough. Sexually, we were enough. I didn't look at other guys. I was just smitten with the other person. And then there was always a point where I started realizing I'm still attracted to other people. I sometimes like the idea of like, doing stuff with other people. And then that always led to rifts because in the very early relationships, we didn't even talk about the fact that we were attracted to other guys, right? It was just taboo. You're not supposed to say that. And I think that's, you know, kind of a condition of our our programming and that like there's supposed to be one person for everyone and that they should be enough. So I fed into that and I kind of kept a secret that there were these feelings I had. And then eventually they would emerge in passive aggressiveness. They would emerge with resentment. And then it would lead to a lot of fighting and then it would lead to a breakup because I would tell myself, I need to sow my wild oats and I'm too young to settle down. So I guess this means that this relationship must come to an end. I just need to find that one person who is going to make me not want to leave and not want to have sex with other people. I need to keep dating, keep having boyfriends until someone sticks enough where I feel like, cool, like this is it. But no one ever fulfilled me in that way. I can totally relate to this. How about you? Like, how many times have you had an unsatisfying or ultimately unfulfilling relationship? And then before you know it, you're back in the exact same situation with someone else trying to get out again. I I know I've been there. It's really tough because you can feel like you're out of options. Like, You can be in that relationship and be unfulfilled or single and have all the sex you want. But what if you want? both. I think I definitely was in the gray area of cheating a few times. And that was always followed with just being riddled with guilt. I would never tell the other person that I sort of cheated. I would just tell myself that it was my fix. That's all I needed to just kind of scratch that itch. But then over time, it would happen again where I wanted to put myself in situations where I was tempted. And I used to justify that that was enough too. I was like, okay, like I'm not technically going to cheat, but I am going to go out for drinks with this guy who I'm pretty sure is into me. And we might do the light touches on the leg and like we might dance together at the club. But if I don't kiss him or go home with him, then it's not cheating. And then for a while, I used to think of that as my fix of how I can, you know, 
prolong my relationships, but then eventually that wasn't enough either. After college, Julian left New York and headed west. He moved to San Francisco for our temperate weather and scenic views, liberal politics, and of course, the thousands and thousands of gay people here. Julian began to date, mostly through Grindr. And if you've ever logged on to Grindr in San Francisco, it's quite an experience. It's just screens and screens filled with little tiny cubes of possibility. One night he chats with this guy. He's cute. And he invites Julian out to dinner. Julian agrees. But when he shows up to the date, they weren't alone. Julian's date arrived with another man in tow. I was like, what, is this your roommate? And then they both had a huge laugh. They're like, no, we're boyfriends. Some couples have arrangements, often called open relationships, where, and the terms vary a lot from situation to situation, but basically you can sleep with whoever you want and so can your partner. In fact, a lot of couples date together too. Up until now, Julian really hadn't been exposed to people in this kind of arrangement. So he thought it wasn't for him. My perception was always the same. It was a couple that was monogamous that was struggling and the open relationship was their solution to spice things up and trying to make things work. And I always saw those crash and burn. Why bother? Just break up. So now Julian is on a date with a couple in an open relationship. I told myself, okay, I'm just going to have dinner with this couple and maybe make friends out of it. Throughout dinner, Julian was surprised to find that the three of them actually connected. You might even say sparks were flying. And then I ended up going back home with them. We had great sex. Julian spent the night, and the next morning, the three of them woke up, showered. We had breakfast. We went to Starbucks, and I was just observing how they were with each other. Like, this is the first time I'm seeing an open relationship, I guess, work where I'm not seeing jealousy and I'm not seeing insecurity. So Julian ended up hanging out with this couple regularly. And then as he began meeting more people, he started to realize that here in San Francisco, trying something that's normally taboo just because it might work for you is totally cool. People were open and it was working, no issues. And so that's where my mindset shift really began, I think. Julian began to see the potential in an open relationship, the freedom to explore and love his way. Monogamy wasn't working for him. Maybe it was time to try something else. I'm not going to continue this repetitive pattern. I'm ready to try something radically different, and I have the confidence to do so now. By opening up his options, Julian would ultimately get the exact thing that he wanted, love and freedom. See, Julian had already met his future boyfriend. He just didn't know it yet. Out in the Bay receives support from Project Open Hand, whose medically tailored food helps Bay Area residents recover from illness, get stronger, and lead healthier lives. Project Open Hand serves people with HIV AIDS, heart disease, diabetes, cancer, and other critical illnesses. Learn more at openhand.org. 
Julian lives in San Francisco and has struggled with monogamy his whole life. A couple of years ago, he decided to give non-monogamy a try. He started hooking up with guys and going on dates, and then this one guy... Just a grinder hookup. ...started to stand out. Here's Julian. So we kind of did this hookup buddy relationship for a while. I was hooking up with other people while I hooked up with him. And then by the time we started our relationship, we had talked so much about what we envisioned in an open relationship that it was just natural. We just naturally came into it. His name is Lawrence, by the way, and he and Julian made it official, but they continued to sleep with other people. Well, that naturally comes with challenges, overcoming jealousy, for starters. That takes time for every couple to manage. And if you're lucky, you overcome it completely. Now, as for me and my partner of four years, uh, we've been open since the beginning, but jealousy is still a thing that comes up from time to time. Open communication is the key to overcoming that kind of thing. We had a monthly check-in conversation where we would have the awkward How are we feeling? Do you feel insecure? Do you are still okay with me hooking up with other people? Like all that stuff. And we did that probably for like a good year. Julian and his boyfriend thought about setting ground rules and discovered that neither of them really had hangups when it came to their sex lives outside the relationship. Do what you want with who you want. Just don't lie. And we're each other's primary and that we we always put each other first. And that if anything ever happens where it questions or challenges that, Let's just talk it through and see where it leads us. Through those conversations, Julian and his boyfriend have gotten to a really great place together. He's literally having drinks with a hookup buddy right now. And, you know, when he told me that, I was like, yes, okay, good for you. You're getting some. No weirdness, no jealousy. I'm embracing it. I hate this word, but I'm feeling very blessed that this is like the type of a relationship that I have. And I've just discovered that I legitimately feel happy when I know my boyfriend is experiencing joy with other people. And that's something I never thought I'd feel because I used to be that jealous guy. I used to feel super insecure. And now I'm just so comfortable with it that it's just unlocked this whole new like level of relationship that's just easy. Like our relationship is not an emotional roller coaster. It's There's no ups and downs. It's just constantly good. And it's because we don't hold ourselves back or each other back from doing things that we want to do. And that is our normal. And that works for us. My partner Reagan and I moved in together right before the pandemic struck. And somehow we've survived with our relationship intact. We still live together today. Not a lot of couples can say that. Julian and Lawrence decided to leave the city together during the height of the COVID-19 pandemic. And they gave living together a try They moved to this little gay mountain town north of San Francisco called Guerneville. And it was a nice surprise to know that we can live together. Like we actually were fine. We did not fight. And it was just like, this is great. And I think a lot of people were expecting us to be like, oh, well, since you've already lived together and you know that it works. And obviously it makes financial sense to like live together and share the cost of of rent. Everyone was expecting us to come back to San Francisco and continue living together. But... Before we came back, I brought it up to him, but I told him, you know, I know we're living together and I know we could be happy living together, but I very much like the separation and the independence for us to have our own space. 
because it is more conducive for us to live the lifestyle that we want. I still want to have my bachelor pad. I want to be able to like have guys over, make them a cocktail and just sort of live that single feeling lifestyle while knowing that 10 minute lift ride takes me to my boyfriend and his wonderful condo in Twin Peaks. So in a lot of ways, I feel like I have the best of both worlds because we can live together whenever we want, but the default is that we stay in our own places. I actually think if we ever wanted to live together, like for the summer or whatever, we can go do that. And I'm always down. Like if he tells me like, hey, would you like to live together for a few months? I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm down to do that. But I think where I am right now, knowing how much I like to indulge in this open relationship format, I would much prefer that we have our own space. And I think I want to do that until I feel like I don't want to anymore. But I also want to do that and explore that while communicating with my partner to see where he is. Because if he ever tells me that he actually wants us to be together in the same space at some point, I want to be able to hear him tell me that. And I want to be able to have that perspective influence what I also want ultimately. So yeah, it's just kind of a wait and see game, but I'm not seeing myself moving in with him anytime soon. Opening up your heart and your mind almost always has positive results. Through non-monogamy, Julian has grown beyond his wildest dreams and experiences life not just as a series of days on a calendar, but as an adventure. I get a rush like meeting someone who you have chemistry with, feeling that tension. Like, I love it. It's it's like I've indulged in so many pleasures and dynamics that I don't get from my partner, which is totally fine because like, you know, no one person meets everyone's needs. And by allowing myself to have that exploration, I've blossomed, I hate that word, into this new version of me that is super sex positive, kink positive and in love julian and his boyfriend are ridiculously cute together and in every photo their faces beam with joy how long have you two been together now that's hard because i i never (laughs) i never know when the starting point is but if i had like you know it's probably like five years with like that gray area hookup buddy status he is now the longest relationship i've ever had which is a great indicator that this open relationship format does work for me are you happy? I'm very happy. Future is bright. We have so much more adventuring to do. So yeah, I'm pretty happy. As you're listening to this story, Julian and Lawrence are in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico on their first vacation there together, having a great time sipping margaritas by the beach. Honestly, I'm kind of jealous. Have fun, boys. You're listening to Out in the Bay, Queer Radio. I'm Christopher Beale. I've watched professional wrestling since I was a kid. Hulk Hogan, The Macho Man, the NWO. I even referee matches on the weekend, something I've done since I was a teenager. And I can tell you from personal experience that there haven't been a lot of visibly queer people in professional wrestling. Up next this week on Out in the Bay, a story I made for KALW's news magazine, Cross Currents, in 2021, taking you inside the independent professional wrestling scene here in the Bay Area. At the time, shows weren't happening due to the pandemic, so I met Jay Ray at a private gym in Oakland. 
Ray is in the ring working with her trainers and another student on a match. And up close, it's really cool to see how all of this works. Maybe you've heard that professional wrestling is fake. That's not completely true. The outcomes, they're predetermined to fit into storylines, but the action and the athleticism on display, that's very real and very dangerous. These athletes train constantly to stay ring ready. The performer behind Bambina is Jay Ray, who lives in Berkeley. I mean, just recently, I had two security guards try to like assault me while using like a public restroom, even with very pronounced tits and a mask over my face. They were so sure that I did not belong that they tried to physically apprehend me. How do you feel when something like that happens? When I have this encounter, like my first reaction is just like, why are you getting in the way of me trying to like have peace? Ray grew up in Michigan. My father very much kind of groomed me as a child to like be the ideal male. And so much for me of my transition as a queer person is like walking that back. Ray is a trans woman and still carries emotional scars from being raised as a boy under her father's rigid expectations of masculinity. Once when I was young, my father and I sat in his truck and he played One by Metallica. This song came out in 1988 and it was based on the film Johnny Got His Gun. It's a song and a movie about the horrors of war. My father and I are listening to the song and he's like, that's what I want for you. He wasn't saying it, but he like, wanted me to either succeed as a man or die trying. One fond memory Jay Ray has from her childhood, all of those classic baseball movies from the 80s and the early 90s. Her personal favorite was the 1992 comedy, A League of Their Own. The film, which is set in the 40s, tells the story of the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Oh. Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. Why don't you leave her alone, Jimmy? After training, the next step for a wrestler is to create a persona or a character to play at shows. Jay Ray had the perfect idea. My father wanted me to be a baseball player and I wanted to be a lady wrestler and the fortunes have aligned such that I was able to meet in the middle of our two dreams. Thinking back to a league of their own, she created the character Bambina. Bambina used to live in the 40s. She baked pies, she played baseball. There was a girl that she liked, but she stumbled upon a cursed baseball glove and some malevolent force transported her to this time. And she's struggling a lot. Those struggles that play out in the ring are inspired by Jay Ray's real life. I used to keep a journal of all the times people would make comments or try to assault me or whatever. There was a time I was like, I wanted to be able to like look at back at this journal and be like, oh man, look at all the things that I put up with in a week, in a month, in a year, and I'm still okay, but you're not okay. <laughs> Despite some more recent examples of queer visibility, 
Ray thinks the wrestling industry from top to bottom still has work to do when it comes to making space for queer people. Embracing trans people, embracing trans athletes and trans performers is one way in which you can help realize a world after the one that we live in now. A world which currently, Ray says, defines us more by the circumstances of our birth than anything we do after. After the pandemic, professional wrestling came back with a bang, and Bambina is still out there doing her thing. You've been listening to Out in the Bay Queer Radio. You can catch up on past episodes of Out in the Bay, get in touch, and sign up for our email newsletter at outinthebay.org. You can make a donation there as well. Your donation helps us keep bringing queer air to your ears. Out in the Bay is a nonprofit, independent, production, meaning we don't get any funding from NPR, from podcast platforms. We rely on listener support. You can make a donation. It's tax deductible at outinthebay.org. Thanks to Brad Payton and Richard Merck of Silicon Valley and Cornelia Enders of San Francisco for your generous support. Thanks also to KALW 91.7 FM and San Francisco Public Press's radio station KSFP 102.5 FM in the San Francisco Bay Area for broadcasting Out in the Bay each week. You can reach out anytime by emailing us at outinthebay at yahoo.com. Our executive producer is Eric Jansen. Our theme music is by Holly Mead. Lisa Morehouse edited the piece on Bambina. I'm Christopher Beale in San Francisco. We'll see you next week out in the Bay and at outinthebay.org. Hold up. 